What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Ken Golden is the founder and chairman of Golden Auctions, and Ross Hoffman is the new CEO of Golden Auctions, which has grown into the industry leader in collectible and memorabilia auctions. Golden Auctions recently received a large investment from the Churning Group, and Ross joined Ken and the Golden Auction team as part of that transaction. I'm joined by my brother, Joe Pompliano, for the conversation. In this conversation, we discuss the Golden Auction story, the trading card market, auction dynamics, what investors should avoid, how Ross and the team plan to improve the technology, and Ken shares some of his favorite sports stories. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ken, Ross, and Joe, and I hope you do as well. But before we get into this episode, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Remote. In 2021, every business is a global business, but how do you pay your global team and comply with international labor laws? Remote handles payroll, benefits, taxes, and compliance to help companies of all sizes pay and manage full-time and contract workers all over the world. No matter where your team lives and works, Remote's global employment solutions keep your team, your finances, and your intellectual property secure. Remote never charges percentages or fees, just best-in-class global employment solutions for a low flat rate. The world's top global companies love Remote. GitLab, the world's largest all-remote organization, trusts Remote to manage their global team, and so should you. Remote is funded by Index Ventures, Sequoia Capital, and a host of other top-tier investors. You can learn more about Remote and their Remote for Startups program at remote.com. I've had the CEO and founder, Yob, on the podcast before, and I highly recommend remote.com. If you've got international employees or a remote team, go to remote.com. Next up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. I'm a big investor, I sit on the board, and I'm a very happy user. Those products include a high-yield interest account where you can earn up to 8.6% APY in that interest-bearing account. They have a U.S. dollar loan product that will give you U.S. dollar loans against your crypto collateral. And they have a crypto exchange where you can trade with no fees. They're also coming out with a Bitcoin rewards credit card. It's a normal credit card, but it pays you back in Bitcoin rather than cashback or airline miles. To start earning today or to sign up for the credit card waitlist, head on over to BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, BlockFi.com slash POMP. Financial products for crypto investors. BlockFi.com slash POMP. Lastly is Choice. Choice is rebuilding the way you approach retirement, which starts with making it simple to include Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in your savings. More than 20,000 Bitcoiners, including myself, have already signed up to start investing. Whether we are talking about crypto or stocks, Choice lets you trade real Bitcoin and Tesla in the same place, all without paying a dime in capital gains taxes. And if you want to hold your own keys all the way to the moon, you can do that too. Either way, Choice is on a mission to give you full control over your retirement savings. So head on over to retirewithchoice.com slash pomp. Again, that's retirewithchoice.com slash pomp and sign up for an account today. And one more thing, you know how I feel about this, but if you have a pro that manages your money, don't take any of their BS. Choice has tools for them too. You can take back control today and visit retirewithchoice.com slash pomp. Again, retirewithchoice.com slash pomp. All right, let's get into this episode with Ken, Ross, and Joe. I hope you enjoy it. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. 
All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got a full house here with me today. I've got my brother. I've got Ken Golden. I've got Ross Hoffman. All of us are here. We're going to do four people. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Let's start maybe with Joe. Why don't you explain why you're here and then we'll get to uh, our guests. Yeah, I mean, I've been on uh, I've been on the podcast one or two times now, I think. So maybe some of you guys know uh, kind of what I do and what I'm up to. But I talk sports business, so part of that obviously covers the sports memorabilia and uh, kind of collectibles industry. So I'm excited to kind of talk to uh, not only Ken but Ross and and hear more about kind of uh, what what the future plans are for Golden and, and all that kind of stuff. Did you just come on the podcast and flex right off the bat? With I've already been on the podcast before. Yeah, I wanted to let everyone know that it's not, I'm not a first-timer here. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to our first-timers. Uh, yeah. Ken, maybe we'll go with you, then Ross. Uh, just tell a little bit about your background and kind of what you're doing today. Sure. So uh, I am founder and chairman of Golden Auctions, which I started in 2012. I'm really a lifelong collector and dealer. I started collecting as an 8-year-old. I started buying and selling as a 12-year-old. You know, I'm one of these kids who uh, grew up in the uh, – late 1970s, early 80s, before the internet, before there were price guides. So I pretty much bought and sold cards, uh, bought my first car, paid my way through college, and uh, really have been doing this uh, my entire life. In the uh, late 1980s, I started a company with my father called uh, Scoreboard. And we, um, you know, we and ended up manufacturing our own trading cards, as well as uh, starting putting athletes on TV. Uh, in 1998, I started Golden Sports and for 20 years um, put uh, athletes on television, sold product through the networks. And uh, as the TV uh, shopping business slowed, I came up with the idea to open up um, my best and likely my uh, last business, which is uh, Golden Options, which is really the first business that has been uh, incredibly scalable and that everything I envision that we can accomplish or actually able to do as opposed to having some restriction where people can't handle the work we throw at them. So Golden Auctions is the world's largest uh, sports auction house. And uh, every record you heard about being broken in 2020, whether it was a Mike Trout card for 4 million, a LeBron James card for 1.8 million, um, a Giannis card for 1.9 million, all those record sales that seem to boggle the mind and happen every week uh, came from us. Awesome, Ross. Yeah, so I, uh, I've been a consumer operator most of my career, the last 16 years. Uh, started out at YouTube, was an early employee there, convincing people, believe it or not, to put content on YouTube, telling them one day they'd make money, sending boxes to people's houses to get their VHS tapes that we could then upload to the platform. Um, saw Twitter happening and thought it was a really interesting platform. Initially, it was like a search engine for me in San Francisco, mostly Bay Area usage. Joined there as an early employee, stayed seven years, helped scale the business, ran a bunch of different teams. Uh, then wanted to go outside of ad-based consumer business, wanted to learn about subscriptions. So uh, I was recruited to join Headspace as chief business officer. Um, and I, uh, I stayed there two years, helped build up the business, diversify the revenue, and then actually went on the venture side, uh, both at, at different ends of the spectrum. One was on the seed, uh, seed side with uh, Howard Linz and the team at Social Leverage, and the other was with the TCG team on the uh, growth equity side. Um, and I spent about a year and a half 
uh, working with TCG, identifying interesting companies. And you know, we met Ken, we've been going really deep in the space and we're excited to partner. I, uh, I'd say through line in my career has been picking the right market and the right asset in the right market. I don't think I deserve uh, most of the success I've had in terms of the credit. I think I've been able to pick the right market and pick the right asset. We, we certainly think we did that with Golden. Absolutely. And so you've stepped in as a, a CEO. That's right. Yeah. Ken and I met for the first time in uh, Q2, Q3 last year, spent a lot of time together in person, on Zoom, FaceTime, various text apps. I'm working to get him on Slack. We'll see if we can make that happen. Um, and uh, yeah, I was excited about the opportunity. When, when Ken had offered it, I, I jumped at the chance. Absolutely. Joe, kick it off for us. What questions you got for these guys? I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be helpful. A, a lot of people, I don't think, understand kind of the scale of where Golden is now, right? Like, I know the business has grown a lot over the past couple of years and specifically uh, in 2020. So, Ken, maybe it's helpful if you just give us kind of an overview of where Golden's at now, um, as opposed to kind of where you guys started in 2012, I think it was, right? Sure. So, in 2012, um, I'll start off with the story. When I came up with the business, you know, we did $800,000 in our first year, 2012. And I said to my wife, if I can grow this business to $10 million a year, you know, I'll have a nice business for myself and I can retire when I want to. So we did 800,000 in 2012. We grew that steadily up to 27 million in 2019, did about 103 million in 2020. And um, close your ears, Ross, we will do about $80 million uh, for the year through the end of this weekend. And I said that on a broadcast. <laughs> because I, I just tell it like it is. We um, we were running at an amazing pace. Uh, you know, Ross calls me Pac-Man because he says, you know, I just gobble up the JMV. And uh, my joke with him is I make the money and he spends it because I, I'm used to running a tight ship. You know, I, I, ended, I ended last year with 21 employees. Uh, I think I've got 35 now and I might have 100 by the end of July. So uh, we're really scaling up the business to, uh, as opposed to being something where the millionaires, ultra wealthy and billionaires can shop and, and get the best authenticated memorabilia trading cards and collectibles. And it's not just sports. I mean, people don't even know. Do you know the record for the highest price album, music album ever, what that is? No. It's $900,000. It's for a John Lennon album. And we sold it in December. So um, it, it's really any type of uh, collectibles. So uh, realistically, we did an auction in January that did 33 million. We've got one ending on uh, March 6th and 7th that will break that. I won't say by how much, but I will say it will break it. And we've scaled up from four auctions a year in 2018 to seven in 2020 to a minimum of 24 this year. And I say minimum because as soon as I get the new platform that I was promised three months ago, uh, we will be able to run multiple, um, multiple departments. So I can run a trading card auction on one side, an autograph auction on another, a comic book auction on another, and all of it seamlessly going at the same time. 
So Ross, talk a little bit maybe about the platform, right? It's not very obvious that Ken built this amazing business, uh, really has been the face of uh, kind of collectible auctions for a while now. And I think people know golden auctions, uh, they trust it. Uh, and there's this amazing marketplace. You come from kind of much more of a uh, an investing and a uh, technology background. What do you see as the low hanging fruit and kind of what are you guys going to do to the business to kind of augment and, and push this business forward? Sure. Before I do, I want to correct Ken. I'm not spending the money. I'm, I'm investing the money. I have to there you go. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fine line there. Um, yeah, look, we, uh, we want to build a very stable platform that is for those that have been in the hobby for a long time who trust Golden, whether they're selling and they can trust Golden, that they're going to get the best price possible. Whether they trust Golden, that the buyers are going to be accredited and they're not going to default on that purchase. Or on the buy side, that you're going to get what you pay for. And I think the auction technology that needs to sit in the middle of buyers and sellers needs to function very smoothly, needs to be a clean UI, um, and really needs to be, at the end of the day, I think we need to be a data company where we're going to be aggregating a lot of data and being able to leverage that in ways that benefit the consumer. So a lot, only one person wins each auction, right? There's, there's, a, there's one winner, but there's a lot of people that don't win. How are we able to show them other things that they might want to, that they might want to own? Uh, how do we make it easier for... Uh, sellers to find more buyers and how do we make it easier for buyers to find the things that they love at the highest level that's what we want to focus on over time it'll evolve um, the, the back end of, of that product that I just described is actually fairly technically complex so it's going to take some time to do but we have a, a first version that we're excited about I actually saw a demo of it earlier today that's getting there and uh, we're going to iterate very quickly we uh, we don't want we don't believe in I think there's two different methodologies of, of shipping product you can wait till it's perfect and ship it or you could kind of ship it in as you go, we're definitely going to be the latter. And I think given Ken being the face of the hobby, um, we get great feedback from the community. So we wanna, you know, many of our features will likely be built from our community, just as like the hashtag and the at sign were built by the Twitter community. We, we intend on evolving as we go. Uh, but you can imagine it's a very social experience, a very graphically easy and intuitive experience that's very photo and video forward. Uh, and it's very community-based. Those are kind of three themes that we're focusing on as we develop the product. Absolutely. And so uh, when you guys think about kind of how big this market is, I know, Ken, you talked a lot about the growth of, uh, of gold. And maybe, Ross, explain, like, you guys not only did a financial transaction here, but you've stepped in uh, kind of on the operational side. Like, how big is this thing? And uh, how big do you think it can get? I think that's the big question everyone has, right? Is Are, are we just in the early innings and this thing's going to, you know, 50x over the next couple of years? Or is this something where, no, maybe we've seen how big the market's going to get. It's what we have now. And now it's just who can get the most market share. Yeah, so I think um, I think the market's going to continue to grow. But what people don't realize is the market's been growing since around 2015, 2016. So while this may be things that people suddenly uh, are aware of, they've been happening for a long time. And Ken and I talk about this a lot, as well as uh, with the team at TCG, that there's a few what we view as macro level tailwinds that are happening. Uh, and that's what I talk about when you want to find a, find a market that is, that is growing organically and is growing at a high clip and then find the best asset in that market. We think this market's growing organically there's quant and there's qual. I'd say the qual is a combination of passion and pop culture. So passion, you know, insert athlete is my favorite athlete and I want to follow them and I want to feel connected to them. Pop culture is, this is becoming a modern day flex where athletes or celebrities are posting about their cards on Instagram or two of our investors that we're fortunate to have, Tim Lynn and Deshaun Watson posting, having lunch with The Rock and they have a PSA 10, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, University of Miami, Miami uh, uh, Bumblebee Tuna card. Um, so I think that's partially driving it. The second two things I'd say more on the, on the 
quant side are one, just an inflationary hedge. So I don't want to invest like the previous generation. I don't want to set it and forget it and retire when I'm 70. I'm looking for more of an edge. I want to, uh, you know, inflationary hedge. The U.S. has printed more money since COVID than they ever have. So people know that their money sitting in cash is not the best use of their money. They're actually losing money. So I think that's one lens. The other I would say is uh, gambling and fantasy sports, which is a huge, huge business that's only going to get bigger. You know, gambling in the U.S. is not yet legal in Texas and California. That's a, a massive amount of people that at some point that's most likely going to happen. Um, if you want to be a fantasy GM and you want to go long a player, you know, maybe you're in a keeper league and you could keep that player over time, but most people aren't. You could buy you could buy their cards. You could go along a player and have a thesis that LaMelo Ball is going to be an all-time best player in the NBA, and you're really long on him, and you think he's undervalued. Uh, so there's a lot of – I think there's a lot of fantasy and gambling elements as well. And if you add the three of them up, we think that's going to continue to drive the market forward. Every market has ups and downs, and I'm sure that when there's some sort of slow slowdown in the market, there's going to be tons of headlines that, you know, this was a bubble, and it's not just like you've seen with technology companies. I joke that, like – we used to say, when's the first trillion dollar company going to be here? And, you know, then Apple went to two trillion a couple months later. And now there's like five trillion dollar companies. So I think uh, people don't people don't adequately appreciate the scale of the Internet. And when you can take that and you can layer on good technology, good operations and good content, which I definitely want to talk about the content side of things later. We think we can further accelerate that market. And that's what our plan is. And, and, and to add on to that, talk about the size of the market. You know, we estimated that it was a 10 billion dollar market. In that $10 billion market, the following still goes on. You know, a friend of mine distributes to every Walmart in North America to, uh, for all the trading card product. He has people who follow his trucks around. And as soon as they go there, they, you know, they follow the truck, see where they're making a delivery, and then they run in and clean out the shelves. It's a $10 billion market with stuff disappearing the second it hits the, sh the shelves. It's a $10 billion marketplace with me receiving, I receive, and I'm still at the phase where I do it myself. You know, you, know, you may not, you, you may, may be past that, but I'm still at the phase where I actually read and reply to every single direct message I get at Ken Golden on Instagram. You know, I wake up in the morning, I get two, 300. You know, some people just being cheerleaders, we love what you're doing. Other people ask me questions. Other people say they want to consign stuff. Other people are asking my opinion. But I respond and I see all these people that are emailing me overnight from the Philippines, from Macau, from Hong Kong, from Australia. Their biggest thing is they cannot get product. So they, they, there is no, no good way that exists right now to distribute product overseas. When I started the business in 2012, less than 1% of my business was international. In 2014, I had one Asian customer that's a company that you know was about 2% of my business because they bought a lot. Now, if I sell a basketball item, about 30 to 40% of my bids are coming internationally. If I sell a soccer item, 60%. And you know how much soccer I sold in even 2017? Zero. I, I looked at my catalog. I don't think I had a single, single soccer card. Now soccer is fourth. And if you take out Brady and Mahomes from football, soccer is actually third behind basketball and baseball. So I look right now for a 10 and all, and there are the supply, the demand is a hundred times supply and you can't even feed any place except North America. I think there, I think that we are in the early innings and there is a long way to go before all those marketplaces are satisfied and more people are getting into it every single day. That's what I'm seeing on my database with users is just, it's all over the world. Every day, these people register for golden. And I got to tell you something, registering for golden's a pain in the butt. There's a lot of questions you got to fill out. 
You have to put in a credit card information. We have to verify you. So if people are taking the time to do it, they are really serious about spending money. Yeah, what else you got? Yeah, I mean, Ken, that leads me to a good point, right? Like I think everyone uh, kind of from the outside looking in has noticed that there's been a shift uh, in not only sentiment around the industry, but kind of like they see the record sales, whether it's the 4 million for the Trout or the LeBron or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if there's like a time in the past call it like 12 or 18 months even, that you're like, wow, things are really escalating, right? Like whether it's the the, the Walmart trucks people are following, whether it's, uh, you know, more messages you wake up in the morning. Uh, but like, when did you realize that things are really changing? Well, for me, it started in 2016. We had an auction called the Great American Card Auction. And, and I came up with the idea because I got a consignment of the T206 Wagner, the famous Jumbo Wagner, the five. So I said, I have to build... You know, with my background dealing with, you know, dealing with companies like QBC, you can't have one item. You need, you need, you need a program. You know, you, you, I got to build an hour. So to me, I look at a catalog. I don't look, and that's the other thing we do differently. I don't look at as an auction, as an auction. I look at every, every time we do an auction as an event. So, okay, how do I make this a big event? How do I build an event around this card that hopefully sells for a record at the time, which was 2.8 million? So that was my goal to sell this card for more than 2.8 million and to have an event. So I started, um, I started um, accumulating items and advertising for this auction. And someone came to me with a 2003 LeBron James card. And I'm sitting here with a 52 Mickey Mantle that's going to sell for half a million dollars, a Hank Aaron rookie and a nine that's going to sell for 400000 a Honus Wagner, I hope it's going to sell for $3 million, a uh, Ty Cobb that's going to sell for four hundred. I'm saying, why are you giving me this card produced in 2003? You know, I was still at the time that, you know, that was garbage. It's modern cards. He goes, Ken, you got to trust me. I know you may not understand this yet, but I think this card might actually sell for $100,000. I said, okay, you're a good consigner. You're a good customer. I will put this LeBron James card in there. The LeBron James card I put in there was called the 2003 Ultimate Logo Man. It sold for $312,000. We did set the record that day for the most valuable card of all time. $3.1 million for the Wagner. But all the reporters want to talk about is how this car that was printed only 13 years ago of LeBron James sold for over 300000 So that's when I said, okay, forget everything else I'm doing. The rest of the staff, you guys do everything else. I'm diving into the modern cards. I've got to learn everything about this business. And that's when I noticed a really big change. The other big change happened in 2000, at the end of 2019, I got in this collection from overseas called the Exquisite Collection. And none of these, these cards are very rare cards. They're limited. Every single card is numbered. They're like one of one, one of 15, one of 99. It just did enormous numbers, sold for three, four, five times whatever those cards were selling for. And I said, okay, this is it. And then finally, people say, well, did COVID kickstart this? People forget what happened in January of 2019. In January of 2019, we sold a basketball card featuring a LeBron James and Michael Jordan called the Logo Man for $900,000. It was an exquisite Logo Man. So, and that's what really set the whole market. That's when, that's when everything started going crazy. And yes, COVID hit. And yes, the last dance, last dance hit. But in January of 2020 was when people really were clubbed overhead. To put that in perspective, the prior record for a basketball card was 451000 And that was Al Sanders' rookie. And that ultimate logo man we sold in 2003 for 312,000 has a value today probably of $10 million. 
It's crazy. Ross, yeah. how do you take uh, somebody like Ken, who is uh, such a great founder, build a great business, uh, has this massive uh, online platform and basically just build the tools around him to kind of double and triple down on the content business. And obviously in 2012, content was very different than it is today. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's a huge focus for you guys. And uh, I'm assuming Ken's not going to uh, uh, kind of build the company on the strategy of like, let's go on QVC every day. So how do you just think about, um, you know, kind of where you guys go from here on the content side? Yeah, one of the first questions I ask him, which I ask, I ask anyone that I'm going to work with is, um, what do you love doing, think you're best in class, best in the world at? And what do you hate doing and think you're really bad at? And it's, it's an interesting question to hear how objective people can be about themselves. Ken was, Ken was very direct. He was just like, look, I have the relationships. I've built up the trust and I, I'm the face of the hobby. I want to continue to drive that forward. I want to work with our consigners. I want to work with our buyers. I want to be out there and be a platform for the hobby to lift everyone up. Uh, from the day-to-day -day operations, you know, he, he built up a great business and they were they were good. But he said, "Look, I think I'm higher leverage to work on that." And it was a great compliment for me. Um, I don't do a ton of media stuff. Um, I don't have deep knowledge in the in the hobby. I'm, I'm a big sports fan. I collected as a kid. I collected throughout my adult life, but not nearly the degree of Ken. Um, and I joke with him. He's a weighted average. I'm going to say this on on the recording now. Of uh, I think he's 50% Warren Buffett of cards and 50% Don King of cards. Like he knows every stat about every card and is also an amazing, amazing promoter for the hobby, not just for Golden, but for the hobby. Like he, he bleeds the hobby. He's been in the hobby longer than a lot of people in the hobby are alive. So it was, it was a conversation around that. And then, okay, like let's, let's actually take that and look at that framework across the organization and see where pieces sit. And let's just try to play to everyone's strengths. I think you go into a new opportunity, assuming that everyone's great and giving them the opportunity to disprove that or prove that, but leading with that assumption that everyone is great and the process are great. And then you listen, you decide, and then you communicate. Right now, I'm still in the listening phase. So talking with the teams, understanding how they work, really learning the process, you know, uh, working. I ask Ken a lot of questions every day and he's very patient. I'm trying to learn as much as I can, as fast as I can. But um, I think really just playing to people's strengths, understanding what they enjoy spending time doing and what they don't. And then once you understand that and you can really take the vision. I think the founding story, and you hear this a lot, that the founders of companies, um, you know, they they have their vision that they've obsessed over for a long time. And I think for Ken, it very much predates the founding of Golden. Like him as an 11 or 12 year old starting in the hobby, uh, buying his first amount of cards and selling them for profit. Like he, he's been thinking about this for a long time. So really trying to squeeze that out of him, something that he doesn't have to think about. That's just second nature for him, but really trying to understand that as to what does he value? Why does he think the business is the way it is? Where does he think the industry is going? And try to ensure that you're using that as the guardrails to, to build a good company around. When it comes to developing software and uh, you know supply chain and operations and content, like we could rush and do all that right away. What we want to do is, is really be thoughtful and build that around his vision. And um, you know, so far it's been a really good partnership. For sure. And in terms of uh, the content itself, like is it just more Ken? all the time, or do you have to eventually kind of supplement Ken with all kinds of other, um, you know, uh, names and brands and, and different distribution points? Yeah, it's, it's the latter. I think like, look, Ken's always going to be at the core. Uh, he's always going to be the global expert in the space. Uh, when people call in, they want to talk to Ken. Um, and Ken's going to be doing things like this and on television and on Instagram and other social media platforms. Uh, I do think we do think you need to build a platform around Ken whether that's through full-time in-house talent, whether that's through partnerships with, uh, you know, very affable, good-looking brothers that happen to have their own podcasts. It, it really depends. But we uh, we want to build a, a large content set to play to different audiences. I view their, 
as two macro level audiences. One is those that are in the hobby already and you need to come to them with an authentic standpoint. Stop smiling. Come on. You're going to make it. I'm, I'm laughing because I can literally smell how bad my brother's breath is through the computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're just pissed. He called me good looking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the one audience is those that are in the hobby. Um, and the other is those that want to come into the hobby. And I think you do, you, you talk to the former from an authentic expertise standpoint. And I think you talk to the latter from an expertise, but also from an education and an entertainment standpoint to, to have them understand and feel safe. There's a lot of people that invest out there. There's a lot of people that want to make, profit out there or connect with their passions out there. There's a lot of diehard sports fans that invest, but if you brought them into the hobby right now, they wouldn't know what to do. And that's a big problem, but it's a really big opportunity. And if we can build the right technology and the right tools and pricing guides and on-ramps for them to come in by, by really bringing the right data and putting it in front of them, we think that's a big opportunity. Oh, and, and one sure. thing I want to mention more, we talk about technology so people understand what Golden has accomplished we are literally using software from 2002. So everything we've accomplished is, is no joke, is from a 2002 platform that has been band-aided over the years. So you can see how I am like waiting very impatiently to have this remarkable new product that's uh, designed in, uh, in 2021. Joe, what else other questions you got? No, I think um, on my side, like I think Ross brings up a good point and I'm kind of curious how golden as a platform is going to change, right? Because I think with everything, all the numbers and the headlines and everything, I personally get a lot of questions of like, okay, I've never been involved in the hobby. Uh, I want to get started. Where do I start? Where do, how do I learn? Where, what cards should I buy? Should I be buying cards? What sites should I use? Uh, and I'm curious kind of like one, I think golden is, is at least seen in the past as kind of like a premier and exclusive site for uh, more high-end items that people are bidding at an auction and stuff. Yep. So I'm curious, I, I know and I've heard that that's gonna change to some degree, but I'm curious on like the education front, right? Like how how is Golden gonna help people get involved in the, uh, in the hobby one and then two, like educate them on an ongoing basis to buy the right things and invest? Yeah, I'd say it would be three buckets. One is from a product standpoint, there'll be features that we build out to make it very easy to either upload your current collection or look at, you know, list out things that you want and basically build a want list that you can track in one place. I'd love to be people's hub for the, their the overall hobby, including cards that they have not bought on Golden, but they want to have stored in one place. Second would be from a content perspective. So uh, actually just creating co educational content, whether that's newsletters, podcasts, videos, uh, glossaries, ind indices, just things that can make them feel more informed about what's the difference between an RPA and a prism and what's the difference between a base prism and an orange prism or a pink prism. I'd say third would be uh, on top of the first two is, is data. So if we can aggregate data around pricing, people always say like, well, how much should I pay? I don't, I don't know. And, and who should, why are there 50 different rookie cards or a thousand different types of cards for this one person? So if you can, Combine those three things with a better, easier UI. You can also have better content that tells the story and then better pricing data where they feel safe making that decision. Just like you have analyst reports in the public markets, you should have technology, product, and content that tells that story in golden with the right data that's very easy to consume. So you can come in from day one, make informed decisions, whether you're a collector, an investor, or both, and feel safe about what you're doing. Ken. We got to hear the wildest story you got, man. I feel like you got some crazy, crazy life experiences doing all this. What's the craziest thing that you've experienced that no one else has ever heard? 
Oh, that story, the one, the story you just thought of is the one that we want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I've had some, I've had some really, really, really unusual experiences, really great experiences. I mean, I've met, you know, I've met a number of ball players. Um, you know, I can go back from, you know, when I was a little kid and somebody came into me with about 1500 tobacco cards, including like 16 Thai cobs. And I paid him a dollar a card, um, which, I don't know how many millions of dollars that would be worth. Um, a lot of, you know, you know, from, from the, you know, from the auction stories, a real good one is somebody came to me literally last week. They bought a, um, a pack when they were, you know, when they were younger and it was a 2000 playoff contenders uh, football pack. And they went to a card shop, paid $8, bought a pack, pulled a Tom Brady card. And the guy said to him, oh, that's probably worth a few hundred dollars. You should protect that. So they put it into a sleeve and they put it in a holder and it stayed there for 21 years. They um, somehow saw me on TV or some, somewhere and they contacted me. They drove down from uh, Massachusetts last week to my office, pulled the card out. It's card number 95 out of 100 playoff contenders, Tom Brady rookie card. Uh, we got it graded, came back an 8.5 with a 10 autograph which means that their $8 purchase in 2000 is going to sell for close to $2 million. So um, that is, um, that's a good one. Um, what, what's the most unusual thing? These are all stories of people making money. What's the, like the craziest, most unusual thing? Craziest, well, I think possibly selling, uh, when we sold Brady's uh, underwear, we sold uh, Joe <laughs> Frazier's uh, jockstrap from the Fight of the Century. Number one, um, we it, it, it's 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 un, unbelievable stuff that uh, that 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 people keep. Um, I actually heard a story from the opposite end of a deal that I negotiated in my twenties with Shaquille O'Neal. You know, I remember pounding up against his agent trying to get him exclusive, and I've got a picture in my office of me and Shaq at his first game, and I got a picture I I posted on Instagram that I happened to find, luckily, because my ex-wife threw away a lot of my pictures. Um, not, not that we have a bad relationship, but she was making a collage and she was cutting out, cutting out these collages and this one was spared. And it was me with uh, Shaquille O'Neal um, at Madison Square Garden, him giving me a hug right after he was drafted number one, wearing the Orlando cap and me holding up his card that I produced to him with, um, produced of him with, uh, you know, with his likeness that was exclusive. But what I heard was years later him giving an interview with Panini and it's a Panini interview and he's talking about his first ever deal, his first ever million dollars. And he goes, uh, this guy, Ken Golden, sent my agent a deal and he was gonna pay me a million dollars up front. And uh, my agent was telling me, you know, Leonard was saying, we wanna ask for more. And, and, and I said, no, give the man the deal, sign the contract. This is a million dollars for a trading card. You call that young man right now on the phone and you tell him that, that he's got a deal. And um, it was it was it was great to hear from that perspective that I actually could have been jacked for another five hundred grand, but uh, Shaq said no. It's uh, it, it's 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 uh, it's good. We're good. But um, you know the, the athlete stories are always um, you know always for me the uh, you know the best. I mean I think back and you know I sat with you know Hank Aaron in the nineteen eighties and you know you know for hours and hours and hours and he's gone now. But I think you no. Know, I was with this guy literally only 10 years after he retired. So it, it's kind of like, 
you know, I was so young in this industry that so much happened around me that, you know, now I appreciate it. I wish I did. I wish I took a lot more pictures of it and I wish I saved a lot more, um, a lot more stuff, but, um, there is, there's, uh, crazy. I mean, I'd, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to think, and I'd have to think if I'm even allowed to tell some of the, uh, some of the crazy stuff. I know, you're, I know you're thinking of some crazy stories. You're not saying them. I was going to add the, the one I saw Ken tweeted about like a, a few weeks ago or a few months ago was, uh, Wayne Gretzky in like 91 oh, when he God, got his Jersey yeah. stolen. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we had a contract with Gretzky and, um, he had his Jersey stolen from the spectrum and we ordered jerseys that were specific to um specific to the player to his size and specifications so we got a call from his agent michael barnett and said how far away you got from the spectrum we said well we're in cherry hill new jersey we're like 15 minutes he goes you need to bring can you bring one of wayne's jerseys and um you know we, we luckily he didn't sign it first because we had him ready for him to sign he didn't sign it so he wore one of the jerseys and then he gave it back to us after the game so you know i got to keep a um you know, I got to keep a Gretzky uh, game-worn. Um, I got to keep a Gretzky game-worn jersey. But you know, some of the stuff is. Um, you made me th the Gretzky. Now I was thinking about um, thinking about another ridiculous one with. Um, damn, you should have prepped me for that one. I, I'll, I'll I'll have it for next time. But <laughs> no problem, Joe. You got any more questions? No, I'm all uh, I'm all set. You, are you going to write a thread about uh, golden auctions now? Can we get a time for a thread? I should. I should. Uh, Ken's a legend, obviously, so I'm sure he could help me out with some good stories. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Ross, sure. I want to finish with you. Uh, as you kind of think about this, you know, just zoom out and kind of look forward five, 10 years. What's kind of the vision for where you guys end up, uh, you know, kind of in the medium term? So not necessarily 25 years from now, not next year, but just somewhere in that medium term. What's kind of the goal? Yeah, I think we want to continue to cement ourselves as the easiest place to buy and sell online, where if you've got an item that you're, that you're ready to list, you know that you're going to get the best price, you're going to get it in the easiest way possible. And if you're going to buy, you, want to, you know that you're going to get what you're actually paying for. I think I could see in a world in five years where we're outside of what we're known for, which is sports, and we've diversified more into other verticals, and it's a mobile-first experience that's very consumer and social-driven, and a very large community layer on top of that. Um, so at a... I think we can accomplish that before five years from now, but that's, that's where we'd like to be. Makes uh, makes sense. Ken, where can we uh, find you on the internet? If uh, somebody listening to this set doesn't know where you are. Um, at Ken golden at Ken golden on Twitter at Ken golden on um, Instagram. And of course at golden auctions uh, everywhere. And I, wait, wait, I've, I've got a TikTok. Oh, this is my, I made a TikTok. I recorded something about the Honus Wagner and all of a sudden, my daughter contacts me, who's 21 years old and like tries to live on TikTok. And she goes, how the hell do you have 500,000 views and you've been on TikTok for four days? I've posted 60 videos and I haven't broken 1,000 yet. So that, that, that shows you how trading card crazy the world is. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not doing a dance. I'm not, you know, your social media guy said, we're making your TikTok. I said, I'm not dancing. Um, he goes, no, you're going to talk about cards. And I said, okay, how's that going to be interesting? So I did three, four things. I talked about cards and all of a sudden I've got maybe, maybe by now 600,000 views. So, but yeah, just at Ken Golden everywhere and hopefully you find me. Love it. Ross, where can we find you? Uh, at Hoff on Twitter. 
All right, Joe, I know you came on here. You flex already. You've been on the podcast. Go ahead and pitch your, uh, your newsletter. Uh, yeah. Readhuddleup.com. You guys can check it out there. Uh, you've tweeted about it a couple of times, so thank you. And, uh, yeah, Joe Pompliano on Twitter. All right. I'm going to send you a, uh, a little, uh, invoice for some Bitcoin after uh, you get a pitch in the free advertising. All right, guys, listen, thank you guys so much for, uh, for doing this. I think that, uh, the business obviously speaks for itself and, uh, the world is definitely sporting card drunk right now, which is, uh, which is fun because I, th- I kind of agree with you guys that it's only going to continue to grow and, uh, wish you guys the best for big fans and, uh, can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thanks for having, Thanks for having us. us.